The Holy Gospel according to John, the ninth chapter. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back, able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see me, those who do not, those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So are you all enjoying our March weather in Minnesota? <clears throat> I know some of you have had a chance to get to warmer climes, uh, and a couple weeks ago I was able to get out of town. Um, we were hoping it was going to be a little warmer. It wasn't quite as warm as we had hoped, but I visited uh, southwest Utah to try to get a little golf in. Our first round was snowed out, but the rest of it was okay. Um, and then my wife joined me, and we were able to go see some of the wonderful sights in that part of the world, including um, hiking at Zion National Park, where, very strangely, we saw Jim and Nancy Carlson uh, on a hike, which was wonderful. 
and unexpected. Um, anyway, I, I, I mentioned that trip this Sunday particularly because for a number of nights we were staying not in but near a town called St. George, Utah. Has anyone been to St. George, Utah? A handful of you? And so it won't surprise you, perhaps, that in St. George, Utah, there is a Mormon temple. It's actually called a Pioneer Temple, which means it was built in the 1800s. It actually was finished before the temple uh, in Salt Lake City. And I've never been to a Mormon temple. Of course, you can't go inside of them, but my wife and I, before a dinner reservation, drove over, parked, and sort of walked around. We went in the visitor center and so forth. Um, maybe some other time I'll tell you about that experience. Uh, I hadn't planned even to mention it, in a sermon, but very kind of unexpectedly, as I was preparing uh, for this week's message, studying John chapter nine, which we just heard read about the man born blind whose sight is restored, a Christian commentator actually brings up the Mormon practice of sending out missionaries, which surprised me. Um, and so I'd like to go through that passage a little bit to explain why it came up in this commentator's mind. And I'm going to actually have you turn now to that passage. We're right now in, this is page 976 and 977, John chapter 9. We're in the middle of a, of a period of weeks in the lectionary where we have very long gospel readings. So Brian, we just heard read a portion of, of this appointed reading for today. Um, I want to try to walk quickly through this passage, um, which, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of main event, I guess you could say, is this man born blind is, is restored to sight by Jesus, but that's actually a very small part of the number of verses, and most of what the passage is taken up with is interactions between this man uh, and other people, as well as his parents and the Pharisees and so forth. So it begins um, with the, the disciples saying, hey, Jesus, who sinned, this guy or his parents, to make him blind, which seems like a very strange question. But you have to understand that that was actually a, a question that was alive and well in Jewish thought at that time. There are verses in the Old Testament that would suggest both of those options. So it's a fair question. Jesus says, no, neither. I'm gonna, he was born blind so that my power could be displayed. Verse 5, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world, Jesus says. So then he, he as a way of demonstrating that he is the light, he restores this man's sight. And then the first interaction, this is at the bottom of page 976, is with the bystanders who are like, this guy looks a little like that guy who used to go around begging who was blind, but now he can see, so it can't be him. And the guy's walking around saying, no, it's me. It's actually me. And they ask him, well, what happened? And he explains, he says, well, Jesus put mud on my eyes and um, now I can see. Uh, and then at the top of 977, they say to him, where is he? And he says, I don't know. And so this first interaction, the point I want to make is it's sort of very straightforward, factual. Here's what happened. I don't really know who this Jesus guy was, and I don't know where he went, okay? Next interaction is the next paragraph, beginning with uh, verse 13. And here are the Pharisees who are threatened and worried, as they always are, about Jesus. And they're, they're kind of annoyed that he's healing on the Sabbath. They sort of want to find out what actually happened. Hopefully they can use it against him. So they find the man, and they say, what happened? And he said to them, this is verse 15, partway verse through 15. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. And that begins a conversation with the Pharisees about, well, is Jesus from God or isn't he? And they're not totally sure. So they ask the gentleman himself, um, 
verse 17, so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened, and he said, he is a prophet. So now it's not just facts, but now the man is beginning to think about, well, who was this guy who gave me sight? Maybe he was a prophet. The next interaction is the next paragraph, beginning in verse 18. This is with the the man born blind's parents. They want to have nothing to do with it. They're worried about the Pharisees. They're concerned that if they support Jesus, they're going to get thrown out of the synagogue. And so they basically put it back on their son. And in verse 23, the end of that paragraph, you see them say, therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. They washed their hands of it, kind of. Not very courageously, I might add. The next interaction begins verse 24, when the Pharisees go back again to the man born blind. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him this, and this is interesting. They say, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. That phrase, give glory to God, would have been used by lawyers or rabbis of the time um, to set up what they assumed would be a confession, right? So they're saying, give glory to God, you blind man. We know you've been lying. We know you made this all up. Now it's time for you to confess. Does that make sense? Um, And it's fascinating because now this next whole section is basically this blind man, a man who had been a beggar, a man who had no status or authority in the culture of the time, not confessing, not kowtowing to the Pharisees and saying, you're right, I'm sorry, you know, I was, I'm, I'm making it all up. No, he pushes back and pushes back strongly. Uh, he says, verse 25, he answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. A verse that's become very important to Christians through the millennia. And then he, the Pharisee says, say again, well, what did he do to you? And he says, I've already told you. Why do you keep pestering me? Why do you keep asking me? And then he, it's a little hard to read the tone here, um, it, it, whether it's genuine or slightly sarcastic, but he says, I've told you already you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? The answer to that is probably unlikely. Um, And so they keep pushing him, and he, again, now he gives almost a sermon, beginning in verse 30. The man answered, uh, here's an astonishing thing. You Pharisees do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know, this is still the blind man speaking, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Now the Pharisees are really annoyed and angry because he, the blind man, formerly blind man, is presuming to teach them, the rightful teachers. And so they say in verse 34, they answered him, you were born entirely in sins and are you trying to teach us? And we're told they drove him out. Okay? And after that, the next section, Jesus returns to him, he finds him. He heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir? Tell me that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Um, So now at the end of this passage, not only has the man's physical sight been restored, but his spiritual sight has also been given to him, and he understands 
who Jesus is and why he came. Now, what does that have to do with the Mormon practice of sending out missionaries and why would a Christian commentator reflect on it? And here's why he brought it up. He, he made the point, and I think this is true, and I think the Mormon church basically concedes this, that the Mormon practice of sending missionaries out is not successful, if you want to use that word, if by success you mean converting other people. They have a very low percentage of conversion when they send people out, of other people who they reach out to. However, you know what it is successful in doing? It's successful in convicting the Mormons themselves about who they are, about what they believe, and their ability to share it with others without apology. And it turns out that when people go out on a mission trip for those two years, they almost never leave the Mormon church. So it's not successful in converting people. It is successful in convicting people, okay? And you might say that that's exactly what's happening here with this blind man. He's not going around knocking on doors proactively, but again and again in this reading, people keep coming to him and saying, what happened to you? What did Jesus do to you? And in, in each successive event uh, or interaction, the man becomes what? He, he understands in his own mind for, more fully who Jesus is. He understands more fully what Jesus is and what he's done for him. And he also increases in his ability to articulate it. He becomes more and more confident in his ability to talk to other people about Jesus. Does that make sense? And so the invitation this week, I want to suggest, is that we take a page from the blind man, which means minimally two things. First of all, it means that we need ourselves to understand what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus is doing for us. There are lots of ways we can attain that wisdom or that understanding. One of them, though, is that prayer practice we're doing during Lent, the examine. And I hope that you have found that to be fruitful. So that's the first thing, is to recognize for ourselves, what has Jesus done for me? What is Jesus continuing to do for me? And the second thing, unlike the parents in this story, by the way, is that when people come to us and open doors, or you might say when God opens doors for us to speak about that, we actually step through those doors. And we talk freely and openly. We give our testimony about what Jesus has done. Not expecting to convert other people, but hoping and praying that God will make our own faith stronger. Now, I will end this by just going back to this passage in the very end of it. It's sort of a little coda, because it is ultimately, I think, about God making our faith stronger, but who knows how God will use our willingness to testify. And so at the end of this passage, uh, Jesus says this, I came into the world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. Verse 40, some of the Pharisees near him heard this. The Pharisees who were so sure, they knew all the answers. They understood God. They understood how it all worked. They were going to tell the blind man how it worked. The blind man was confused. He was wrong. They were right. And they say at this point, some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely we're not blind. Are we? So now all of a sudden they begin to question everything they believed. And we often think of the Pharisees as the enemies of Jesus. And in many ways they were. But 
We also know from the New Testament that many Pharisees ultimately came to follow Jesus. We don't know all their names. We know some of them, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, eventually Paul. And I believe today that some of those people came to follow Jesus in part because of the courage of people like that blind man who was willing to speak about his faith openly. And I pray that God will give us the same courage today. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Loving God, we come here so that our eyes may be opened to the truth. And we pray that as you open our eyes, you also give us the strength and the courage to share that truth with others. In all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.